This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. These bonus episodes will launch each week in October and November and feature myself and Sportsman's Empire podcast hosts from around the country. Follow along as we update each other on recent sightings and deer activity, share strategies we're employing to help us get on deer, and just enjoy a relaxed deer camp atmosphere. Before we jump into the show, I do want to say a quick thanks to our partners. The How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. Tacticam helps you capture your memories from the field so you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K, 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one-touch operation. And the best news, you get all of this in a durable, compact, waterproof package. They also just released their Solo Extreme camera that provides all the features you love from your other Tacticam cameras like one-touch operation, HD footage, and a sleek waterproof housing, but in a more budget-friendly option. And of course, Tacticam's point-of-view cameras are supported by an outstanding line of mounts and adapters that will fit your needs whether you're a bow hunter, a shotgun hunter, or a rifle hunter. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I've been wearing the Tarnan pattern, hunting in the piney hills of the southeast and the farmland mosaic of the Midwest, and I've yet to be picked off in a tree. Now, with temps dropping as we get later into the season, I'm rocking their Saskatoon pants, jacket, and vest with the all-new Heat Boost technology, which means more warmth and less bulk. Go check out their Heat Boost line as well as their full line of products at HuntworthGear.com. Now there's one piece of equipment that I use more than any other, and that's my Onyx Hunt app. With top-notch aerial imagery, private and public land boundaries, and the ability to fully customize your waypoints, Onyx helps you scout and hunt more efficiently. On my recent hunt in Wisconsin, I used their elevation exaggeration feature to find the spot within the spot, combined that with their optimal wind feature to show me what the wind was doing in a given location, and used this info to move in and capitalize on an opportunity at a public land bruiser. If you're not already using Onyx, I think you should give them a try. You can find them on your preferred app store and get a seven-day free trial today, or you can check them out on their website, onyxmaps.com. And finally, Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. One feature I really love is their heat map, which uses aggregate data to help you locate where a buck is hanging out most. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about all their awesome features and to sign up for your 30-day risk-free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to purchase, Use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to Deer Camp. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp edition. We've got a full house tonight. 
We've got Nick Otto from the Hunter Board Podcast. We've got Nate Thomas from Missouri Woods and Water. John Hudspeth from the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. Mitchell Shirk from the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. And Andrew Munts from the O2 Podcast. Man, everyone is here tonight. I don't know what to do with this. We all we're gonna we, have to come up with like a pointing system of you know who answers the question. Yeah, I have I have no idea how this is gonna go. We'll see. I don't I've never done a podcast with this many people who are all virtual. Like I've done it before with like a couple of folks in a room, but this many people all virtual could be a challenge. But man, the dude from Ohio and the dude from Pennsylvania are sitting in the same truck right now. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on over there. Yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah, buddy. So what's happening? So, um, I, I tell you what, I'm going to let Munts tell this story. Well, no, it's, uh, let's see, me and Mitch were over here. It's Pennsylvania's gun season, and uh, I had a little change of plans. And uh, I said, hey, Mitch, what are you doing next week? He said, I don't know, come on over, and we'll, we're going to do some deer drives, and uh, you can join the camp, and they've been gracious to, to have me, and it's been uh, awesome. It's amazing. We had uh, one of the guys today put down a really nice mountain buck, and uh, we saw deer on every drive, and it's been very active, and uh, it's cold, but it's uh, it's good. It's been, it's been fun. Well, man, we have not had you on, Andrew, since uh, something pretty significant <laughs> went down. So last week we canceled. It was Thanksgiving, right? Like everybody – Nobody was going to come anyway, but I sent the email said, Hey guys, no deer camp tonight. Uh, we'll reconvene next week. And then you sent me an email kind of razzing me a bit because you got an archery buck. I got my archery buck. Yes. Um, I think the last time I was on here, we were waiting for the dog to go out for, for one to find them. Yep. And we got three inches of rain that day. And, uh, that was too much, too much rain for the dog. Uh, we gave it an effort, but just bad time. It just didn't work out. Right. Um, was, was so, the dog even like, did he give any indication that like he could tell a deer had even been shot in the area or was it just like, ah, he's not picking up anything. Yes and no. So I, and I cannot confirm this, but I will t- tell you what part of the problem was. Ohio's had some EHD problems this year. I don't know about this property in particular, but I do know that on that property, there are a couple, there are carcasses, dead deer. So, um, one of them, I'm pretty sure was hit by a car. The other one was in a creek and a creek. So like, I don't know if that was EHD. I think the dog had trouble with some of those smells that were coming through. That was one of the things the handler kept saying, like, these other deer and uh, you know, that was causing issues, but, um, yeah, legend gave it a good, good whirl, but it was, uh, three inches of rain was a lot that, that day. So, yeah. And we we were actually talking about the rain and whether or not that was going to play a role. Uh, thought you'd made the right choice. I mean, backing out because the shot was questionable, but fast forward, like what, what happened in between? How did you get in there and get back on a, on a different buck? Different property. Okay. Um, this one's really uneventful and it's it was one of those ones I had like a couple hours to go sit out in the morning. I'd had a buck come through the day before 
And I said, uh, you know what? I'm gonna, it's close to home. I'm going to go sit up in the tree for a couple hours. I went out 7:55 or so. I saw them over, you know, on the neighboring property. They came right down the fence, fence row, um, got them stopped, put a good shot on them. He ran about 50 yards and the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, so that's, the whole thing was pretty anticlimactic in the end, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, I was super, super pumped. Paul came over, helped me, uh, get him pulled back and everything else. And, and yeah. So, so wait a minute. Would you, would you have preferred to track that deer after all the crap you've been through this year? I uh, know. No, no. <laughs> I would have, I would have, I honestly, if, if it was, done, I would have done like the next shot where they just stop and there's no tracking or anything. No, I'm, but, it was, uh, it went really, it went well. So was it following a doe or? No, there was actually a couple bucks that were together. Um, but I know like, again, I'm, I'm bigger on the little later part of November, at least on the properties I'm at, because that's when the activity really seems to pick up, uh, for me and, and leading up to that day. And even the days after, had a camera basically right there. Uh, it, it was bucks on does, just the following, the chasing, everything was, was happening. And that was Thanksgiving and the days after and around there. So, man. So tell us about the buck. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's not a bad one for a first archery buck, man. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he looks decently sized in, in my book. Uh, it is. Don't don't show change yourself. <laughs> the uh, he's like a five point. He had a broken tine though, so he's a fighter. Uh, scar on his head. I don't. I'm not good at measuring deer, so I can't give you any type of like a score thing. Is about as wide as his ears go. Um, decently tall, but I'm super. I was super pumped, man. That was one of the bigger bucks that I've ever had an encounter with. So. I was pumped. Yeah, very cool. Are you gonna Are you gonna do any kind of mount with him? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're at least gonna euro him. Yeah, I do. I like the euro euro look, so yeah. we'll do that this year. Yeah, sweet man. Well, congratulations. You've had a thank you. You've had like a grind of a season, but the thing, like you've been on deer, it seems like over and over again. Like you've had a lot of opportunities, which has got to be boosting your confidence heading into you know next deer season. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been good. Mitchell and I were just talking about it, but you know, part of it to me is the saddle thing, just being able to pick up and go and stick yourself in weird places. And, uh, sometimes those weird places are where you should have been in the first place. Right. But yeah. Are you using, so you guys are using tethered saddles, right? Are you using the one sticks as well? I haven't, I haven't figured that one out yet. I haven't really, Dove, dove into that. I just, uh, the sticks I use are Timber Ninja, but okay. they're, uh, just the four climbs or whatever, five, four sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So Mitch, man, you welcome this Ohio guy into your, uh, into your Pennsylvania deer camp. Uh, sounds like you guys are having some success. Yeah. You want to go down that rabbit hole already? Because my mouth will go like a duck's ass over this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I mean, we've got, We've got a story about uh, about deer camp with deer drives. We've got a story about a truck that was stolen. Like, who knows where this conversation is going to go? So we might as well just jump into it. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, you my, got it rocking. So what, my deer, what's the my goal deer of your deer camp? Gone, yeah, so uh, back up. My deer hunting has been, um, since I shot my buck early and shot a doe early, I've been taking people out. I took my sister-in-law out hunting for her first time the end of no, or mid-November, end of archery season. She shot her first deer the first time she went out. Then I took her the opening day of rifle season. She shot her first buck. So she's been on her property <laughs> twice, took her out twice, and she shot two deer. So she's like the most lucky hunter ever, and my guiding is like 100% right now. So I think I'm going to cap it off of that. So um, I had a great experience with her, new hunter experience. Um, but I've said it before, my favorite hunt of the year is this hunt that I do at my camp. Um, so three years ago, so my, my cabin is in a unit in Pennsylvania where bear is open opening week. And I always said to my dad when I was in school, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if we would get a group of guys together and make drives. And it would be, you could shoot a buck, you could shoot a bear. If you had a doe tag, shoot a doe tag. It'd be real, you know, be really fun. And three years ago, I set, I set it up. The first year I had 15 or 16 guys and it was, it was, it was pretty much. And we had a fun, successful hunt. Last year we had 22 guys and like the popularity just blew up and uh, now we're doing it this year. And, uh, I just, I just love it. I mean, there's, there's areas that I've scouted and hunted on my own and just bringing it together. Like I was talking about it with Andrew. Like we, I get, I put so much stress on myself in archer season to shoot a good buck, to do it this way, to do it that way, hunt a specific deer. And like, this just breaks my season up. And the camaraderie at our camp is, it's just fun. I mean, I I think Muntz is enjoying himself. I was anxious to see when he came over, um, if he would, uh, if he would enjoy the the camp atmosphere, but I think so far so good. It's been amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) But, uh, no, we did, uh, um, we always do the end of the first week. So we're up as we speak right now. This is Thursday night. We just finished day one of the group hunt. Um, and it was just guys at our camp. We had 11 guys, uh, did four drives today, multiple shot opportunities. We shot a dandy eight pointer, um, probably like, a. am going to guess live weight was pushing 200 pounds. It was. 20 inch wide eight pointer dandy buck. I mean, one of the biggest buck we've ever killed, maybe the biggest buck we've killed out of this camp, um, had a miss. We shot another, uh, smaller buck, um, had a really good hunt, other opportunities. Uh, It was, it was just a great day. Um, tomorrow is the day my brother-in-law and his family come down from their camp and it's going to be like 23 guys. So, um, I, I organized the mess. So, coordinating driver standards who takes where in it's it's quite a it's quite a task and trying to organize where we're going in and making sure everybody's number one safe and number two um hopefully doing it efficiently it's uh it's fun it's different it's something i I said to months earlier i said you know i said i used to hate rifle season i mean I, i truly felt like archery ended and hunting season was over now i'm to the point where like i just love this camp atmosphere hunting with the group of guys so um, it, it's been fun. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow, but yeah, that's, that's been my hunting. Man, that's awesome. So are you like, how much longer are you guys going to be there? Are you through the weekend or what's that look like? Are you coming down? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I value my marriage. 
Uh, so we're just going to have to go ahead and, and, and call it this year. I, uh, I went to Alabama and hunted and I actually got out one afternoon. So, uh, the reason that I did that is, is partially because of my kids and my wife and, and what November was early November was for us, but then also the stomach bug hit. And so kind of ran through our family. So yeah, I, I will not be doing any hunting most likely until February when the rut rolls in in southern Alabama. Which is sad. I got I got two things I got two things, Mitchell. One, that sounds like a blast. Two, just cultural difference. That is something that would never ever happen down where I'm at. Well, it, yeah. I'm telling you, like I think it happened. Nick, do you guys do anything like that in Michigan? Oh yeah. Big pushes. Um there's like you have your properties that are set up for like the ideal, like we're going for, for big deer. And then there are other properties that, you know, it's probably some ag on it where it's late in the season. People still have tags to fill. Um, I luckily have filled my tags. So I get to be inside for the rest of the time. So everybody else gets to get cold and snowy. Um, but yeah, we have those last couple weeks, like we have antlerless season and it's really like, people will open up their properties and say, all right, push through. And, uh, yeah, let's just take whatever comes through. And at that point, it's usually the smaller stuff. The big guys have really moved on to their little hidey holes at that point. So it's a lot of does and a lot of like young bucks that'll go down. Rarely does anything big, uh, get smoked during those. But, uh, yeah, we do, we do drives and, uh, yeah, that's how you kind of get those last few tags build up. That is interesting how like, uh, you know, I, Pennsylvania, I now know you can do it, but like, I know Wisconsin, it's like a rite of passage to, you know, do your first deer drive. And John, I don't know about Oklahoma, but like Missouri, it's illegal to drive deer. So I've never okay. been a part of one in my life. Wow. And I, it'd be I, interesting I to see illegal, it, you know? but it, Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's illegal here, but it just, it just doesn't happen. Like I would never invite 27 people out to my property. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're hunting, we're hunting like 65,000 acres of state land. So I mean, it's, gotcha. it's huge, it's mountainous and stuff, but like, wh- what has your guys experience been? Because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of separation in the hunting community over making deer drives. Like there's some people that absolutely love it. That's the only way to do it. They shoot everything that moves. That's the way to go. And then you've got the group of guys that like shun it. If you do drives, you're a, a son of a gun. Like it's, it's no good. Like, like what do you guys think of over? Cause like I said, I, I'm, it's grown on me just cause it's something different and it's no expectations. And it's just the camp camaraderie fun. Yeah. I can't even give you an answer because I've, I've never experienced one. I have no experience with them. I, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, it sounds like a lot of fun because it seems like you're probably going to see some action because you're, you know, pushing a block of timber or whatever you're doing. I, I, I can imagine what it would be like, but that's about it. I don't, I've never been a part of one and I don't know very many people that have ever really done it except for the handful of guys that I know and through the podcast world know. So I have no clue. I would enjoy it or, um, or what I think about it. So I can't really tell you. Yeah. Ours is yeah, on the, a small <laughs> scale. So you have a lot of like the standing corn, there'll be a whole field of just standing corn. And essentially it's, it's your drive in Pennsylvania, but boiled down where we're at a max of, you know, seven, eight guys, as opposed to like the 20 that you said you're going to have tomorrow. 
Um, so it really boils down. But yeah, the piece is, is like communication. Hey, everybody wear orange post up here. You want to have skylight under your barrel or you want to be able to know where everybody's at. And at that point, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a group activity at that point. When pictures get taken, it's not the guy who just shot that deer. It's everybody back in the truck, all the deer lined up and it's everybody for the group photo. Even if it's two deer that get taken out of that standing crop, Hey, we got, we got this together. And so that group mentality is really what that's all about. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that uh, there's other places in the in the country that enjoy that little bit. That's not all of our hunting. I mean, it, this is a portion of the season. So there's times where it is. You get to be choosy. You get to go after the big deer, and you get to pass things up. But, yeah, when it's down to those last few days or last week, it's like, I got a tag. It's burning in my pocket. Something's got to go down. Yeah, man. I, so – I've seen deer drives in the north and in the south, and you know, in in Wisconsin, like you guys, like like Nate alluded to earlier, like deer drives, that's a huge thing, man. Like there are guys who will sit like opening morning, and that's it. It's deer drives for the rest of the time for all nine days. Um, there are some properties that I know of or or knew of uh, where they're primarily, I mean, the the crops are primarily harvested in these areas. There are little draws that run through them and they'll push out each draw on a property. And there is literally no, there's like nowhere for the deer to go um, other than out the other side of this draw. And, you know, they're, they're extremely successful and efficient. It's not like pushing deer, you know, in a big woods setting, like you guys in Pennsylvania, that's very, very different. Um, But Hey, teach their own, they're your tags, fill them up. Like I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I actually grew up, um, doing some, now we never owned them, uh, but, but the camps and clubs we were part of always did this, uh, driving deer with dogs, which is a whole other kind of experience. Now, again, this is, these are big wood settings, primarily pine plantations in the deep South, which, I mean, I only saw one deer ever as a result of a, of a dog drive. Um, my dad, I think shot one as a result of a dog drive, but these are, you know, basically you go out and if some, if a, if a deer steps out in front of you, it doesn't matter what it is, you're shooting it. Um, so it's, it's a very different culture and there though. Uh, so I think there, you can start driving deer right around Thanksgiving, a little bit before Thanksgiving. And that runs all the way through mid January. So you can drive deer with dogs every single day for months, um, that really changes the way your deer herd acts. Um, you, you just all of a sudden aren't seeing anything anymore. Like it's just, just not seeing the movement. And actually, uh, I grew to not really like that way of hunting, not because I was against it, but because it just wasn't efficient. Like I was just sick of sitting and listening to dogs bark and run and not actually, uh, drive deer in my direction. So, um, definitely not against it. I've not been super successful, but when I've seen things like I've watched the THP guys, for instance, go to, I think they were in Pennsylvania, um, and, and do some, and do some deer drives like that to me is really interesting, especially with the strategy that you have to employ, like what's going to be the escape route and where are we going to put the standards and the, the scale that you have to think on when it comes to how these deer navigate the terrain through the big woods. Like to me, that's a whole 
Like that's a whole mind bender that I think would be really cool to, to give a shot. So what I hear is that there are 20 something guys coming up to help you uh, or to be part of these drives tomorrow. You could probably take another 15 or so if we all just showed up next year. Well, I tell you what, you, I think it would be, I don't know that everybody would like it, but like we're all different parts of the country. It's long drives and stuff. And where we're hunting, I mean, and Andrew saw it now for a day. Like, it's not like easy hunting and it's not like a shitload of deer, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just a cool atmosphere. I mean, yeah. So uh, let me, uh, let me correct myself. So all of my listeners don't hang me for this. When I said it was illegal in Missouri, I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm right. So I did a quick Google. It is not illegal in Missouri. I just have never heard of anybody doing it here. Interesting. Um, so they might, but I don't know a single person in this state that I've ever talked to that does deer drives. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Yeah, do you think that that's, I mean, if you think about the states that, like, are really into the deer drive thing, the whole big buck craze managing your property super carefully doesn't seem to have taken the same kind of hold. And like a state like Missouri where guys are, you know, a lot of times you may have a lease or some private farms or something like that where they're taking deer management very seriously. Do you see a connection there, anybody, between like the states that that do drives or, or maybe those like more like Pennsylvania that are uh, a, little bit, a little bit later to the quality deer management kind of mindset? Yeah, I've, I've been waiting to put my two cents in here. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma is kind of in this weird spot between your traditional, like, Midwest and then Texas. And I think most people agree, like, deer management was born in Texas. Like, that's kind of where it all started. And then I think another unique thing down here is, like, I think just on average, our parcel sizes are a lot bigger. Um, and so I think down here, like, you have the ability to manage deer and you yeah. have a lot more people in that mindset. And so I think that's part of the reason it's not as popular down here because I think people for, for a longer amount of time have realized, Hey, like we can manage these deer. We can grow bigger bucks if we're patient. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I definitely think it's definitely part of a, a cultural thing. Uh, Cause like you were saying, like a lot of the times when you think of a deer drive, you think of, you know, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Michigan, all, all those upper, you know, more Northern states where it's a lot more traditional. Like, I, and part of me is kind of jealous of that. Like, it sounds awesome to get a huge group of guys together and all go out together. Like, like that is not something I grew up doing. Like I very much grew up at like a solo deer camp. Um, it's very individualist, you know, you're going after your buck and you don't want anybody else to have a chance at him. So, 
um, I definitely think there's a cultural aspect to it. Yeah. And I agree, John, in Missouri, it's not the exact same thing that you were talking about in Oklahoma, but in Missouri, people are very, very protective of their, their parcels that they get to hunt. So they don't, they want to manage those parcels. And we have a lot of larger farms in this state too. And, um, Missouri is a very difficult state to find private ground, especially with our out of state tags being cheap enough. And we're a good state to hunt deer in people flock to the state, uh, a lot. And so you got a lot of out of state folks leasing land. You got a lot of, uh, people owning land that are from out of state. And then you got the in-state people that have their private ground. And I would, I would bet you'd find it hard to, to get a, a group of landowners together to let, you know, the push happen. Now we also have a lot of, public ground in this state. Um, but I just don't hear about them. They probably happen, but, um, I just really don't hear about them very often. So it's interesting when you hear about, you know, like buddies from Wisconsin talking about that tradition, we, we do our deer drive. Um, you know, I just, I don't hear about those same things down here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nate, man, while, while we've got you talking, you and I chatted last week, your season has probably not gone like you'd expected it to, or maybe wanted it to, but you've had some pretty sweet stuff happen, so uh, that that has probably kind of made your season. So let's let's hear uh, an update from you. It got better, that's for sure. I don't remember when we uh, had rifle season started before you and I talked last. I don't think it had. I think it was exactly two weeks ago, right? So I, when did y'all start? You started on the twelfth. The eleventh. The eleventh. Twelfth, yes. The 12th. So we talked on the seventeenth, I believe. Okay, we had some stuff to happen. So yeah, like as a as a group, our our, our season was not going well, and that, not just me, just it wasn't going well. And then starting November 11th, which is the the night before rifle season in Missouri hit, um, our best friend and friend of the show, who's been on our show dozens of times now, um, he killed an archery buck Friday night, and then Andy um, got a buck opening morning of of uh, rifle season. And then that next Sunday, my son Chase, my nine-year-old son, killed his first deer. Um, and then we got another deer down. And then the very last night of archery, I actually killed my first bobcat because bobcat season opened in no- on November 15th here in Missouri. So, um, you know, in an 11-day period, things got a lot better for us, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's that's so crazy to me to hear, like, some of the, the people who talk about bobcats, like, Bobcat is a draw tag in Wisconsin and people like save up points to get a tag for a Bobcat. Meanwhile, growing up in Alabama, it's like you see Bobcats all the time and they're like, they just want you to kill all of them, (laughs) you know, because of what they do to turkey populations and all that kind of stuff. And there's just tons of them around. So, um, but yeah, man, you got a good one. Like, are you, are you getting that thing mounted? Yeah, she's my, I've, I've had issues, uh, for folks that have listened to our show, I've had issues with bobcats over the past few years. So, um, it's been this like animal that has eluded me for mm-hmm. a long time. And, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to have her mounted. I actually met the conservation agent, uh, Tuesday night and got her tagged. It's a, it's a weird tagging process in Missouri. All you have to have is your small games license, but then you have to go get what's called a site ease tag. And you have to meet the conservation agent. They have to tag the the bobcat um, with a, a thing through their eyelet. And so um, I'm probably yeah, I'm going to do it just because 
they've eluded me for so long and, and who knows if I ever do it, I kill another one. You don't ever really go specifically hunting for bobcats. Um, although I have before and that's where I had failures, but, um, you know, it's just that they're, they're around that you just don't see them a whole lot. They're, you know, they're just, they're really smart about what they do. So it's, you got to be kind of paying attention to even see one. And, um, she, uh, she was dumb enough to walk by me. So at least I was lucky in that, that sense. Nice. Now, are you doing any more hunting now for the rest of the year? Are you, where are you guys at? So our archery season goes until January 15th. Oh, okay. So you got plenty of time. Um, I'm, I'm leaving my stuff alone for the moment just because the deer have been harassed. I guess you'd call it by the orange army for the last couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that maybe leaving pressure off my place will get them to, to show back up. And, um, then I'll try to get after them with, uh, the bow again. But honestly, I, I don't know that I'm going to get the job done this year, just based on what I've seen in person and what I have been seeing on camera. Um, you know, and I'm okay with that. My, I'm, my son got his first deer and I'm really happy with this season. I've had an opportunity to kill a few bucks and I just decided that I wanted to, to see what they could do a little bit older. And, um, you know, I, right now I'm at peace if I don't kill one, but doesn't mean I'm not going to try. So we'll see how it goes. Sure. Is, is rifle season over? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. It ended that night. I killed the Bobcat. Oh, so. okay. So that was it. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, all right, let's shift, let's shift gears here. We've got a guy who, uh, went elk hunting. Oh, and, wait, I got to ask Nick a question. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You do. You've got a question for Nick. Yeah, absolutely. That? Let's do it. Nick. So my son Chase killed his first, killed his first deer, like I just said. And it, it was a young deer. It ended up being a button buck, but a very young deer, obviously. And so, man, it's been so long that since I've done this, I can't even remember the last time I did it, but I had all of the back straps, inner loins and, uh, hindquarters made into steaks. He is going to get the first steak off that deer, but I want to make sure he likes it. So what's a fail proof setup for uh, a steak for him? Gotcha. You say you had these already cut, so they're already half inch thick or, or are we talking? I haven't, got, I haven't got them back from my guy yet, but um, I think he's going to make them into medallions and butterfly the inner loins. Is that correct? The butterfly? Yep. You can do the butterfly. You can do them both with, well, shoot with his big as that deer, you could probably butterfly the hindquarter too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know he's doing medallions on some stuff and butterflying something else. I just can't remember what we talked about, to be honest with you. Gotcha. Um, so on a, on a pre-cut steak like that, um, it's going to be thinner and it's going to be one of those where even though you, we were talking earlier that you and your family prefer a medium steak, I am going to, I'm going to challenge you to really aim for that medium rare. Okay. Give it just a, like a few seconds. Uh, I would say probably 45 seconds on either side of, if it's like a half inch thick or three quarters of an inch thick, I'm going to challenge you to try to undercook it. The norm, normally how you cook things. One, a, it's a, it's going to be a young deer. So it's, a, it's already a tender piece of meat Two, how uh, thin it's going to be cut. I would brush both sides with just a little bit of mayonnaise. Now hear me out on this. Like you had this little mayonnaise on there. That's going to add 
your, it's a, basically emulsified egg and then oil together. And so when that hits that sear hot pan, so if you're probably going cast iron or if you go with the griddle with this, even the grill, you lay that on there, that's going to give you a sear. That's going to take that oil and egg and that's going to turn that into a sear as opposed to letting it get brown or excuse me, uh, let it get gray. This is actually going to let it brown at that point and crispen up. So just brush that on. I would hit it with something simple. Uh, being his first deer, his first steak, we want to taste venison on this. We're going into it knowing it's venison. We're not trying to hide hide it. We're not trying to tell him that it's beef, and then he's going to have this like, ah, I don't know, I don't, I don't like this because it's gamey. No, we're going to cut that right now. We're not even going to play that game. We're going to get hit it with salt. We're going to hit it with pepper. We're going to hit it with garlic. That's going to be your mix-up mix up right there. A little bit of that mayonnaise. Sear both sides. Serve it up with just a little bit of pink on the inside. And I tell you, he is going to be hooked on venison for the rest of his life. Dude, if, if Micah was here, he'd be sitting there just clapping because that's what he's like. A little bit of S&P and 30 seconds on each side. Move on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with them already cut like that, that's, you, you know, it does not take a whole lot. And problem is, is that, you know, guys go out to the grill and they bring a beer with them. And when they do their beef steaks, you know, hey, one beer and then I flip them. That's not the way with venison. It goes far quicker. So you got to be on top of your game with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to cook it on a, a Blackstone that I've got. So it'll be a, you know, flat griddle or a flat um, grill. So gotcha. Next to it, peppers and onions. Mix them up in there. Yep. Get them on the side. Yep. Okay. I'm going to do it. We'll see. Hopefully he loves it because he's excited about it. I mean, he's been asking when's it going to be ready. and um, It should be soon, but uh, I'm worried about it because I'm like, man, I hope I don't mess this up. It's been a while since I've tried a deer steak. Um, I usually am cooking, you know, deer meat tacos, deer, just loose meat type of deer stuff, you know, deer jerky. And um, it's been a while since I've attempted a, a, a venison steak. So I want him to enjoy it. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty fail safe. Um, I've actually gone with my family we do, we love the steak. Um, and so I will cut the hinds into steaks. That's one way I'll freeze it as a whole piece, but then cut it into steaks. But in the future, as you're looking at it, especially when it comes to like your back back straps, um, cutting them or having the, the butcher cut them into like long tubes where it's like six to eight inches long with the smokers that we have. And even with an oven, um, to get a slow heat on those first, hit them with a little bit of smoke, bring them up to like 110. Then you can mo- go over to your your Blackstone. You can go over your, to your Lodge, cast iron, whatever you got, and then hit that with a sear. That's going to be a great way to handle the backstrap just because of how when, when guys get these cut into medallions, it does. It takes just a little bit of too much heat, and you get them ruined. Normally when guys like them cut like that, yeah, they're drinking beer with them. So it's not a big deal. They're just down the hatch. Um, but when I cook them for my family and I want to have that medium rare all the way through it, really opening up that bullseye, that's where I'm going to keep it. The larger the cut, the easier it is to cook. I know it's easy to handle things when they're small, but leaving things big is a great way to hold heat control. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. 
You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. This episode is brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Every time I have Nick on, I just want to, it like fires me up. I just want to go cook something. And that is not right. me most of the time, but like I'm sitting here jacked up now. And I'm like, man, I need to go do all this stuff with the deer that I just got. So, uh, man, that's awesome. Um, John, I, I've got to, I've got to shift gears and, and talk about your elk hunt, man. Um, and, uh, I don't think it went how you thought it was going to go. Not at all. And, uh, right before I jumped on here, I recorded an entire hour long episode. So if y'all want to hear the entire, uh, full sad story, uh, Monday, uh, this Monday, the full episode will come out, but I'll, I'll give you the, the short version. So, uh, uh, my college buddy and I, we booked this hunt a year and a half ago, last August, we went on, a, uh, like a sim guided elk hunt. So, uh, we were staying at a lodge right on the edge of national forest. Um, the guy didn't actually like we, we didn't have a guide to go out with us. You know, he just kind of pointed out spots on the map, told us good historic spots. Um, so that was, um, uh, my dad, I borrowed my dad's truck cause he gets better fuel mileage and everything headed out. And I stayed, this would have been last Monday, uh, stayed in Denver the night before I was supposed to show up at the lodge and, uh, slept in, you know, trying to get a good night's sleep walked out of the hotel the next morning and was just like, where's my truck? <laughs> and, uh, and it, it's like, I can't explain the feeling. I, I just kept, I kept, I kept expecting to like turn around and like see the truck somewhere that I wasn't like, Oh, like, you know, my truck didn't get stolen. And sure enough, my, my truck got stolen. Um, I, I think what happened, I, I took my four wheeler. So I had, you know, out of state license plate with a four wheeler in the back. I think they needed was there to do, um, whoever stole it, they were obviously professional. You know, there was no broken glass on the ground or anything like that. There's like a 2018 F-150 that has like the key fob, you know, it doesn't even have like a physical key. And, uh, whoever it was, they were able to unlock the truck and drive it away without that key fob. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty crushing. Um, the whole, the whole process was super frustrating. Like I, I called nine one one and they were like, Hey, you have to call the non-emergency number. So I called the non-emergency number and they're getting all the information and stuff. And they were like, well, are you the registered owner? And I was like, no, it's my dad's truck. And they're like, Oh, well the registered owner has to call it in. So then I had to, oh you know, gosh. hang up. <laughs> yeah. So call my dad and my dad gets like another cell phone. So he has the police station on one line and me on the other. And they'd ask him a question and he'd ask me and I'd answer. Then he'd, you know, tell them. So we go through the whole process like that. They get his number. They get my number. Hang up. Like three minutes later, I get a call from a Denver number. 
answer it and it's them and they're like, Hey, we heard, you know, there's a theft. Like we thought since you were there, maybe we should get your side of the story too. And I'm like, yeah, no duh. So I like basically <laughs> go through the entire process a third time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it was rough. Um, uh, I keep telling like, just imagine like if you're at home or whatever, like imagine where you keep your hunting gear, whether that's a closet, your man cave, garage, wherever, just imagine where you keep your hunting gear. And now just imagine it's all gone. Um, mm. you know, like my, my rifle, like not, you know, my rifle, my four wheeler, but even on down to like my packs, uh, my boots, my range finder, uh, my headlamp, like literally everything, uh, was just gone like that. Um, and so I'm, I'm sitting in a hotel room and dinner in, in the lobby, uh, sitting in the lobby in Denver, you know, I've, I've talked to the police, I've talked to my dad, I called my wife and I, I had texted her to kind of let her know what was going on. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie when I called her, like I lost it, like it all kind of sank in and I was like, I don't know what to do. And my wife, she is amazing. She's like, Hey, you still need to go on this hunt. And so, um, one of my good, uh, childhood buddies, I texted a few of my buddies, kind of let them know what was going on. He sent me a text and he's like, Hey, go to this rental car company. I rented you a car. Um, he said, go to this Cabela's. I, I got you some boots and a pack on layaway. Um, and so, yeah, basically I, I, uh, took an Uber to a rental car place. Uh, went to Cabela's and <laughs> blew a whole lot of money that I didn't want to blow. Uh, you know, bought all new clothes and, and gear and everything. Um, and, and even that was frustrating because, you know, it's like the end of the year. So like every coat I picked up was either like a small or a double extra large and I have these things. Um, and so ended up finally finding a bunch of gear that would work. Uh, had my rental car and so went up there. Um, and then even the hunt was just, just kind of turned into a bummer. We had a earlier than normal snowstorm that came in. Um, you know, my, my four wheeler had been stolen. So all we had was my buddy's truck to get around and we had the snow chains on it and everything. We were still having trouble. So, uh, again, I'll, I'll spare all the, all the super sad details, but, uh, oh, well, I will say one other thing. Uh, if you listen to like a lot of Western podcasts, you always hear about the landlocked public land and that is a real thing. Um, I can't tell I, I think we counted up eight. We went to eight different chunks of like BLM or, you know, little chunks of state land or whatever. And, and like on, on Onyx, it would show a county road going right up to it or even through it and past it. And you'd get like one landowner away and all of a sudden there'd be a gate across, you know, what is supposedly a county road. And, you know, I don't know how they, I guess all the landowners get together and agree to it or something. And so, uh, so yeah, like basically around the lodge, it was too snowy to get around when we tried to go lower and explore. We just ran into a bunch of locked gates. Um, so yeah, all in all pretty terrible trip. Honestly, um, we did get one touch of good news today. Uh, it was Thursday. Uh, I did get a call from the police department. They actually found the truck, um, which I heard from a couple people might be the case. Um, I guess a lot of times these people, they'll, they'll steal it. They'll, you know, clean it out, you know, steal everything inside. Uh, but I guess it's just too hard to actually try to like sell or get rid of the truck itself. Uh, just, I guess today with all the GPS and everything, it's too hard to get rid of. So we got the truck back. Um, the officer said it's, you know, still seems to be in, in good condition, drivable and everything. Um, 
I was trying to ask like, you know, somewhat specific questions about what was left inside. Um, he, he kept, he kept saying he found two scopes, which I going to assume is my binoculars and spotting scope. Um, I had left them out of my hunting pack cause I thought I was going to be there early enough to do some scouting. So that's good. I mean, you know, that's at least a thousand bucks right there that I get back. Um, but you know, I asked him, I was like, Hey, do you see a black duffel bag? And he said, no, you know, that bag had, had all my clothes in it. And I was like, Hey, do you see like a gray pack? And he said, no, that's my stone glacier bag that had stuff in it. Um, asked him if he saw a Yeti, he said, no. So, uh, you know, cooler's gone. So definitely still out a, a whole lot of money and a whole lot of gear. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, got the truck back. That's good. Um, it, it sounds like there, you know, he said there was still some bags and packs. So it sounds like I have, you know, some stuff. I won't really know till I get up there. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, quite, quite an ordeal. Um, I, I was talking to my Uber driver cause I, so I, after the hunt, you know, I'd bought a bunch of stuff at Cabela's and so I had to go buy an, an extra suitcase, uh, to, to get all that stuff back home. I ended up flying home and then I had the suitcase they had taken in the hotel. And so, you know, I roll up to my Uber and I have these two giant suitcases and he was like, are you alone? And I was like, yeah, I'm alone. He's like, are you moving? I was like, no, I'm not moving. Had my truck stolen. And, uh, he said Denver is averaging 86 car thefts a day right now. Whoa. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So just note to everyone out there, do not stay in Denver, especially if you have an out of state license plate or a four wheeler or anything. Holy so cow. I actually, I thought, yeah, I, I thought like I was trying to be smart because I realized, you know, I had a bunch of stuff in there. Like, like I had a Quinta, you know, not exactly like a, you know, hole in the wall hopelessly parked on the side of the highway thinking, you know, more traffic and more lights and everything. Like I, I thought I was being pretty small, um, but it sounds like the, just the political thing, but just with the government situation and everything there, it sounds like they're just not, um, not punishing criminals. And so, so yeah, Jeez. but we did get the truck back. That's good. And it sounds like maybe some of my stuff is in there. Dude, that sucks, man. What an awful, yeah. what an awful start to a trip. But then to hear that, like, <laughs> I don't know if that had happened. And then it's like, Oh, and by the way, we killed a 320 inch bull, <laughs> you know, at some point yeah. during the trip, like that'd have been like, yeah. Oh, okay, sweet. You know? <laughs> uh, but this just had yeah. a, a rough, a rough ending mm -hmm. all around. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of people messaging me and, and that was one cool thing. Like I had a lot of listeners, you know, messaging me and stuff and encouraging me. But like, I even thought when I was driving up there, I was like, just because this bad thing happened, like that does not mean I'm guaranteed a huge bull. Like elk hunting <laughs> is still hard. And, uh, but it, but it really was cool. And then also like once I got to, so there was nine of us staying at the lodge hunting and, you know, my buddy Jasper, he had gotten there and, you know, he had told the guy and all the other guys, you know, what had happened. And it was pretty amazing. And it was watch the hunting community because I walked in the door and these people who I had never met, didn't even know their names. They were all like, Hey, what do you need? Uh, like once I find an orange beanie, uh, Cabela's was out. I stopped at a family daughter dollar. I stopped at a dollar store. I stopped at like two gas stations could not find an orange beanie and I walk in the door and a guy hands me one. And then another guy hands me a face mask cause I couldn't find anything to keep my face warm. Um, so it was really cool. Uh, you know, watching these people I never met kind of rallied behind me. It, uh, I, I can't necessarily say I had fun on the trip, 
but it was, it was doable. You know, I, I was still away. I got to come home to my family who was a okay. So I, I still consider myself thankful. Yeah, man. So where, I mean, where are you at gear wise? Like surely somebody's listening to this podcast who can just like drop a bunch <laughs> of gear on you. I mean, uh, some, I mean, some rep, be, some rep for some yeah. brand somewhere is listening to this episode yeah. and they yeah. need to, they need to step up, man. What a good opportunity for their company, right? <laughs> this would be some excellent yeah. PR for them. Oh, I would give them such a big shout out and be so thankful. Uh, I mean, I, I, this sounds sad, but really, I mean, I'm starting from ground zero. Uh, like I said, uh-huh. literally, you know, cause, cause you know, I took a lot of stuff that I wasn't even sure I would need, you know, just in case. So um, I mean, my, my big pack, my day pack, uh, they're both gone. Uh, range finder's gone. Rifle's gone. Scope is gone. Um, all my clothes are gone. Um, even down to camping, like my sleeping bag's gone. Uh, like I said, headlamp. I mean, like I said, literally anything, you know, game bags, like everything I had, jet boil. You, I mean, I, I, I found a little repetitive now, but like I said, it's literally almost all my stuff has gone. I still have my tree stand, still have my bow. Uh, so that's good. Um, but as far as everything else, like it's, it's pretty much all gone. So, man. So will you, all right. So the, the elk hunt itself, I mean, you know, the, this whole mm-hmm. issue of access is mm-hmm. it, of hunter access is, I is becoming a bigger and bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think Tony, my Tony Peterson might've mentioned it in the episode he did with you um, mm-hmm. when you guys were talking about your Nebraska trip, I, I don't, can't remember if he mentioned it in that episode or not, but I know in the, a recent episode that I did with him, he mentioned that, that issue again of hunter access. And, you know, we, we obviously, we feel it mostly kind of, you know, in the whitetail world, but man, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me that there's so much public land that we just can't access. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. I mean, it was, it was unreal. We're talking, I mean, and, you know, this is just one unit. This isn't even across the whole state. I mean, thousands and thousands of acres. Um, probably the most frustrating part, uh, there was one chunk, I want to say it was 400 acres. It was 400 acres of BLM that backed up to National Forest. And we tried to get to it, couldn't get to it, you know, private gate across it. We, we, we backed around and got up to a different piece of BLM. It was like a really thin strip. It was only like 400 yards wide and maybe like half a mile long. Um, but it was real high and we could actually see that 400 acres that we tried to get to. And we could actually see a bull on a hillside there Ugh. on public land and could do nothing about it because we couldn't get on that chunk of land. Dude, um, so that, that, that was, that was probably the most frustrating part. That makes you just want to like helicopter in with all your gear and give all the surrounding yeah. landowners the middle finger. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Gosh, that's <laughs> and, really and that's the thing because, you know, like I said, a lot of these were County roads. And so a lot of them would go completely through it and there's more landowners on the backside of it. And so in order for there to be a gate, you know, all those landowners had to be in it together or otherwise, you know, there couldn't be a gate there. So you know, you're, you're, you're talking at times, there was probably six different landowners that had all gotten together to put up one of these gates to block that chunk of public off. Yeah. Several wealthy people got together and they said, you know what, <laughs> owning what we got, not quite enough. Yep. We want all of this yep. to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, what? Gosh. All right. I'm going to get off <laughs> yeah. that before I start saying things my <laughs> wife gets onto me for, 
uh, for saying on this podcast. So sounds like you should have had a cutting torch with on your hunt. Yeah, that probably would have helped. That probably would have helped. Maybe they left one in your truck when they uh... <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah, uh, that it was, stuff, but I had a cutting torch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even even me, it was hard for me to not joke about. Like you know, I'm a pretty lighthearted guy, and obviously, I was very upset. Uh, but like my buddy, he kept being like, Oh, like, you know, where's your this? And I'd be like, well, I had one, but it was stolen. <laughs> where's, oh. oh, like I had that, but it was stolen. Oh man. What kind of, uh, uh, what kind of camo gear did you use? Like, were you a brand uh, specific had, guy or were you all over the place? I was a little bit, I, uh, I had a decent amount of first light and quite a bit of Sitka and then also like some Columbia, you know, random stuff. But yeah, I, uh, I was you know, this is stuff I've been collecting over the last like 10 years, you know, you know, that I've bought in one piece at a time, yeah. you know, kind of over the years. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was rough. Dang dude. That sucks, mm-hmm. man. Well, let's, all right, let's shift now. So Nick, <laughs> did you say earlier that all your tags are filled? Yeah. So I got to join the orange army this year and believe it or not, I got my first two deer, uh, with a firearm. Um, wow. My entire career has either been early season, get the dough uh, early, or at the like tail end of January, being able to take one again with a bow when everything goes back to, to real quiet, or at least late December. Um, November really throws a loop for, for me. But this year, uh, things worked out really well. I had a, a four-point come in um, at 30 yards, and so that was my first uh, firearm deer. I felt Dude. awesome about it. Um, far different than uh, than archery. I mean, it was. I mean, I, I approached it the same way. I was actually sitting on the ground though this time and shot the deer, and he dropped right there. There was no no drama about this. He laid right down. Um, after looking at him, I hit a little bit high, so I did I did uh, smoke up some of that back strap instantly, but I ended up hitting both lungs and the spine. So he just dropped right there. Didn't have to find him. Uh, he was laying right there, dragged into the gator and a way we went back to the house. So that no drama situation was nice. Um, I've also been plagued with a really old doe and Thanksgiving. Well, all through archery season, you'd, you'd hear a doe blow from like 80 yards, like, and it's like, you, you never see her. You just hear her. But I know it was this doggone nanny doe. She just keeps her, keeps her whole little group together. Um, always turns them around right like the last second if they are coming in. So she's just been a thorn in my side. And Thanksgiving morning at about 7.15, here they all come upwind. Uh, she's got no idea I'm there. And I see that rounded snout of hers. She's got, I think she got smacked with something and kind of has, has a growth up there. So I saw that rounded nose and I just knew she's, she's going to eat this bullet. Uh, same thing smacked her. I'm really excited to try and get her aged. I think she's probably about a six year old, seven year old though. She was a tank brought the boys to drag her out. And you know, there was a couple points where I had to stop and they're like, dad, are you tired? And I could barely breathe as I'm dragging this deer. <laughs> just like, yeah, guys, let's just take a little break. It's the snow. That's all it is. The snow. Cause it's really deep. But, uh, yeah, we got her hung up. Um, both got real lengthy uh, hangs. I actually, uh, tonight, I did break down or finished breaking down the buck and got him in bags. So I had a 10-day de- 
uh, hang on that one. We have our large group cutting party uh, tomorrow, and I got the buck uh, early on in our, like, quote-unquote firearm season. I think it was that first weekend uh, that I got it, and then everybody hadn't gotten anything yet. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to let this deer hang. And in the past, like, five days, everybody has just shot (laughs) so much. I think we have eight deer that need to get cut up tomorrow evening. Nice. So it's all hands on deck. We have all the shooters that are coming. We got buddies that are coming. So someone's running the vac machine. Someone's breaking. Someone's skinning. And then we've just got guys with knives at the table. We just throw a hunk of meat on there. It's going to get quartered out. It's going to get pieced out. Um, some of it, a lot of it's going to get turned to bur- turned into burger. We're doing a grind night this year uh, with the same group of guys. Um, but yeah, I uh, I kind of got to watch my watch my class, watch my students because everybody's going to have a knife and they're going to help. They're going to want a job. So it's like, all right, mm. here's you're going to be in charge of shoulders. You're going to be in charge of. Uh, shanks and try to give everybody a job and keep things flowing dude that's awesome man so november is usually tough for you you've mentioned before your family owns a turkey farm is that right correct so just getting out in november in general is usually not a big not 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 really a possibility for you guys yeah with early mornings and helping out the farm and just the me needing to be there um i i kind of already uh ruffled my brother's feathers so to speak I did an early elk season uh, or an early elk hunt and I had to uh, not take personal days from my normal nine to five job. And I normally take those for the Thanksgiving uh, work week. Uh, So anyway, I was like, Hey bud, sorry, I'm not going to be there. (laughs) So, but then, yeah, like once Thanksgiving hits, uh, things really slow down. So that like that next like Thanksgiving morning hunt, what I've gone every year since I started hunting. And it's really one of those like, it's like you're getting back into it again. It's like a second opening day because I've been away for at that point, two weeks. Um, so being able to jump back in and then sit and be successful this year, it was really, uh, really special. Very cool. Very cool. So you're done for the year now. Yep. I, I did three tags. I feel really good with the amount of venison I got. Um, I mean, salvage season is always uh, up for grabs here in Michigan when it gets cold and you, you do find one that's smucked alongside the road, you kind of poke at it. We've got a whole community of vultures that you got to be the first one on top of it. I know that's how <laughs> things go in Pennsylvania too. Don't, don't you be laughing too hard over oh, there. I'm laughing because I've never once done that in my life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I feel like Foxworthy needs to be on here. You might be a man, man. <laughs> Well, hey, when my podcast result revolves around venison, I got to have those pieces that, you know, you have to experiment with. No emotional capacity here. That's right. <laughs> Honey, I'm doing it for the cast, man. I'm doing it for the podcast. <laughs> Eat it. Oh, my goodness. This is getting out of hand. This is getting out of hand. So, all right. So, we got. What do you expect? <laughs> what's that? What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That's true. I, I'm surprised we kept it dialed in for this long all right so nick you're done mitch you guys are out there grinding hard andrew's gonna smoke a big one tomorrow uh he's gonna get a giant right that's the hope that's the hope i have uh we were we were back at camp uh before we we came out here and we were going through the i was going through the list of guys like i said if you've never like managed 20 guys 
Like, it is way more than you anticipate, especially when you're in big woods with crazy terrain and trying to explain where you want guys. It's 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 a little daunting. So I was going through, but I've got I've got two drives. The first two in the morning, I'm going to have Andrew go in his saddle and overlook a couple spots. And I think the first one, I think he's got a very good chance of shooting something. So we'll see what happens. The other the other cool thing is that it's not just deer. Uh, it's bear. There's bear open up here. So um, that's a, kind of a you know wild card that you can just. That would put some real icing on the cake, right? Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. I've got, I've currently got two bear tags sitting in my pocket, and I have no clue what to even do with them. And so I'm, I probably will not get out for bear, um, mostly because I just have no idea what I'm doing. And like we don't have earlier, bears in Central Ohio, so it's just, it's like a really cool, yeah, really cool it's a, for me. It's a treat. It's a treat. <laughs> so, uh, John, are you done in Oklahoma? Oh no! We, uh, oh. <laughs> the state of unending tags. Remember? Oh, that's right. You guys can shoot like a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I have more tags than I have weekends left. I think actually, um, I have one more buck tag in Oklahoma and four more doe tags. Uh, I was kind of holding off on the does until I saw how this elk hunt went because I you know thought there was a chance I'd have a whole bunch of meat. But since that turned sour, I I am ready to unleash, and so. Um, yeah, four doe tags and one buck tag in Oklahoma. And I still have all my, uh, tags for Texas as well. Um, been talking to my buddy. I was actually hoping to go next weekend to Texas, but I think he has some people already going out there. But, uh, so this coming weekend, um, I'm actually taking some new hunters hunting. Uh, kind of, it's my brother-in-law's father-in-law, um, bought a piece of property. None, yeah, none of them have ever hunted, but they want to. Um, yeah, okay. drawn one. all right. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, he bought a crossbow and a rifle, uh, this weekend, still the last weekend of rifle. And so we're hoping to at least take some does, you know, like I, I don't really plan on hunting. Like I would, I would much, you know, harvest the deer and then I'm going to teach them how to field dress them and skin them and quarter them and all that stuff. Like they're, they're ready to learn. So I'm actually pretty excited about that. Um, and then still got a couple good bucks running around and a couple, uh, management bucks that need to go. So, um, if you, if you've ever listened to my podcast, I love the late season. Like that's my time to shine. Uh, two years ago, I killed both my bucks in January. I killed one January 1st and one January 8th. And so, um, yeah, so I'm I'm just, I'm just kind of getting into the flow of my year. Uh, we, we go till January 15th. So I still got like 45 days of season left. So man. I'm raring to go. I, uh, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take my anger out on the Elks cousin, Mr. Whitehill. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I, uh, man, like I, like I said earlier, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back for a little bit. I hit it hard in November, had plans to hit it hard around Thanksgiving, but my kids getting stomach bugs kind of changed that and me getting sick as well, uh, kind of changed a lot of that. So uh, but man, February, sometime in that first 10 days of February, I'm going to be hitting it hard again. That's when the bucks are going to be rutting uh, down in south, like deep south Alabama, like like not far from the beach kind of Alabama. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll see. It's very, very different down there. Even when you are hunting the rut, the deer don't act like it's the rut, um, at least not in what we would we would think about, you know, coming from a, a Midwest or, you know, even, even Oklahoma, almost lump it into that kind of the, the kind of running activity you'll see in Oklahoma, uh, you know, as far as 
being similar to what you might expect from an Illinois or something like that. But guys, thanks for coming on the this episode, and not only this episode, but for being part of this throughout the season. I hope folks have learned a lot, and uh, I hope folks have enjoyed getting to kind of hear our ramblings from week to week. I also hope that folks are are checking out each of the shows represented here, so the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast, the Hunter podcast, Pennsylvania Woodsman podcast, Missouri Woods and Water podcast, and the O2 podcast. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me, and, uh, hey, if you got tags, keep getting after them. That's right. Good luck, dude. See ya. Thanks for having us, Josh. This was great. Yeah, yeah wonderful yeah. setup. This was great, Josh. I hope I'm already looking for season two of oh. uh, Deer Camp. This was this was a hit. We're definitely doing it, and I think we need to do a little bit more in person. I think I think uh, Mitch and Andrew mm-hmm. have inspired me, so we'll see what we can what we can line hey, up. I, I'm all about organizing a spring Oklahoma hog hunt this year, so. Let's go. That's already happening. I got a camper. We can help yeah. you replace some of that gear to shoot some hogs. I promise. <laughs> All right. Deal. Deal. Dude, seriously. I, I'm I'm game. You just just let us know. That sounds that sounds fantastic. No, and if no, we can I, I, if we can I, find I, a helicopter to shoot shoot them out of, that's even better. All right. Deal. No, I got I got a lot of connections. It it wouldn't be that difficult. Sweet. All right, guys. Y'all have a good evening. Mm-hmm. All right. See, See you, you guys. See you, boys. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.